The reading is Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 48, beginning on page 969 of the Church Bibles. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair black, white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word uh, that equips us for good works and makes us wise for salvation. As we come to these words today, uh, help us to listen well and apply them to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, over the last few weeks, uh, we've been going through a series in Matthew chapter 4 and 5, looking at a part of the Bible famously coined the Sermon on the Mount. Now, last week, we considered the question, how should the citizens of Jesus' kingdom live? and how this new kingdom relates to what has come before. We saw that we were set a very high standard, that we need to have a righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees. And we saw how this looked when it came to murder, adultery, and divorce. And our passage today is going to continue this thought. What does it look like to have a righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees? We're going to find that we need to look to Jesus for our righteousness um, because the law demands us to be perfect like God the Father in integrity, generosity, and love. We're going to need to look to Jesus as our all-sufficient righteousness because he fulfills the law for us in its entirety. He gives us his righteousness and he enables us to live perfectly like God the Father. So we're going to look at the three sections of our passage, unsurprisingly, uh, in three, under three headings. Uh, speaking the truth, showing costly generosity, and loving our enemies. So, firstly, we need to be perfect like God the Father by speaking the truth. Speaking the truth. Jesus makes it clear that to be perfect, just like God the Father, our words must be truthful. No matter what we say, Our words must be true all the time. 
And we see this in our passage uh, from verse 33. Let's read that together. Uh, Look down and be at verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all. Now that quotation in verse 33 isn't actually a direct quote from the Old Testament, although it has a similar principle to the rules found there. So this original principle was to ensure that the promises made before the Lord were to be kept seriously. Any oath or vow made in God's name was meant to be kept without excuse. However, the Pharisees created a loophole uh, to get around this. Instead of swearing by God, they swore by lesser things so that they didn't have that same obligation to keep their promises. So instead of swearing uh, by God, they swore uh, by heaven, or by earth, or by Jerusalem, or even by the very hair on their head. The Pharisees therefore lowered the law to make it easier for them to follow. But in doing so, they actually completely ignored the law and didn't keep it as it was originally intended. So in response to this teaching, Jesus says this in verse 33, uh, 34 um, to 36. Let's sit down to that again. Verse 34 says this. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. I think this is quite unexpected. We'd expect Jesus to simply say to the Pharisees, stop getting around this, just keep the oaths you make and stop breaking them. But instead, Jesus says, do not swear an oath at all. Not by heaven, because it's God's throne, not by the earth, because it's his footstool, Uh, not by Jerusalem, because God is the king of that city, not even by the very hairs on your head, because you're not in control of them. Jesus says, don't swear an oath at all, because uh, we should always be speaking the truth. And we see this in our passage from verse 37. Let's read that together. Uh, Verse 37. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Jesus says, simply say yes or no, and mean it. Mean what you say. Speak the truth always. This is part of what it looks like to be perfect like God the Father. Therefore, speak the truth. Take your promises seriously when it comes to things like marriage or uh, baptism. The culture around us uh, treats promises lightly, so we should be distinct by keeping them and making sure we keep them seriously. So, When you promise to be there for someone, show up. When you promise to pray for someone, pray for them. I know I've fallen short of that one many times. Don't use your words to exaggerate and win an argument. Don't use your words to manipulate others. Are you saying the things that you mean or that are truthful? Or are you just saying things you know you'll go back on? Jesus says, speak the truth. Now, Jesus has raised the bar for us with this almost rebranding of the law. So we should use these words as a mirror to look in uh, for ourselves. 
if we listen to these words carefully and remember them, we'll see our sinfulness. We'll see how much we fall short of God's perfection. We'll see how much we need to be cleaned. But the aim of these verses is not to leave you and me individually wallowing in our guilt because of our sin. The aim is to show us God's perfect character and for us to recognize our desperate need for Jesus' forgiveness. So, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus for your righteousness. Look to Jesus for your forgiveness. He gives us a righteousness because he fulfills the law for us. He enables you and me to begin working towards being perfect like God the Father. So, be perfect like God the Father by speaking the truth. Secondly, we need to be perfect uh, like God the Father by showing costly generosity. Costly generosity. Jesus makes it clear to to be perfect, just like God the Father. We should not live to get our own back. We should not seek our own vengeance uh, on those who harm us. Instead, we should show radical and costly generosity. And we see this in our passage from verse 38. Let's look down again at verse 38 together. Have you heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth? But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, then turn to him the other also. In verse 38, Jesus is directly quoting from the Old Testament. Uh, Originally, this referred to dealing with wrongs justly and fairly in order to prevent any desire of getting your own back. However, the Pharisees took this out of context uh, and encouraged taking punishments and judgment into their own hands, taking vengeance as they saw fit on those who had wronged them. But in verse uh, 39, we see Jesus' response to that teaching. Let's look down at verse 39 again. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone wants to sue you and and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Jesus says the unexpected yet again. He says, don't resist an evil person. If they harm you, if they steal from you, if they sue you or force you to do something, don't resist them. This seems to go against the very word of God that Jesus is quoting here, but he's not. So the principle behind that quote in verse 38 was for judges and the judicial system uh, so that they would give out just punishments that were proportionate to the crime, which meant that individuals weren't to carry out their own punishments as they saw. So Jesus says, don't resist an evil person. Or as we might put it today, take it on the chin. If someone slaps you, turn the other cheek. If someone sues you, then give them more than they asked for, even your last possession, your cloak. If someone forces you to go one mile, then go one more. Go out of your way to show costly generosity to the one who causes you harm. 
even if it's costly, even if it causes you more harm, even if it seems unfair. Show costly generosity towards them. That is part of what it looks like to be perfect like God the Father. So don't retaliate out of uh, anger. I know I've done this. Even as a child, we know how to retaliate, don't we? If my younger brother hit me, I would hit him back. Although, let's be honest, it'd be the other way around. Um, But Jesus says, don't retaliate. Don't retaliate when you've been cut up for the fifth time by a bad driver. Don't retaliate when your colleagues take the credit you deserve for your hard work yet again. Instead, give generously. Take it on the chin. In essence, give up your right to be treated right. Just look at Jesus. He did that perfectly. He committed no sin and yet was wrongly judged and was killed on the cross. He didn't retaliate, but entrusted proper justice to God the Father. So don't ask, what's in it for me? Don't let your pride bristle, but give generously at your own cost, just like Jesus did for us. And that's what we see in verse 42, which says this. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Jesus has yet again raised the bar for us. So let's again use this as a mirror for ourselves to look into. If we listen to these words carefully and remember them, we'll see our sinfulness. We'll see how far we, sh- we fall of God's perfection. And we'll see how much we need to be cleaned. But remember, the aim of these verses is to not leave ourselves wallowing in guilt because of our sin. We should look at these verses and see God's perfect character and recognize our desperate need for Jesus' forgiveness and his costly generosity towards us. So, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus for forgiveness. Look to Jesus for your righteousness because he fulfills the law for you um, and he enables you to begin working towards being perfect like God the Father. So, be perfect like God the Father by showing costly generosity. Thirdly, we need to be perfect like God the Father by loving our enemies. Loving our enemies. Jesus explains what I think is the most challenging of this whole chapter, although the others are also very challenging. To be perfect like God the Father means not just loving the people who like us, but actively loving our enemies even those who persecute us. And we see this in our passage from verse 43. Let's read that together. Verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. Now that quote in verse 43 is an alternative to the Old Testament law Love your neighbor as yourself. The Pharisees took these words and added on to the end, hate your enemy, as another way of lowering the law so that they could keep it without feeling any obligation to love those they hated. But Jesus, once again, 
blows this teaching out of the water and says this in verse 43. Let's look down again at verse 44. 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Our enemies are our neighbors too, so love them. Even pray for those who persecute us. Love our enemies because that's the kind of love that God showed us. God loves like this. He loved us while we were still his enemies. While we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. That's how God has shown that he loves us. We too should love our enemies, therefore. God shows this uh, love to the good and the evil, the righteous and the unrighteous. The gift of a new day, the gift of rays from the rising sun each morning fall on both the good and the evil. The gift of rain for the harvest fall on both the good and the evil. God loves, so we should love like this. Now, this kind of love is outrageous and far deeper than anything we see in the world around us. And we see this in verse 46 of our passage. Let's read that together. Verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Aren't even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet, and if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Even the tax collectors love those who love them. Even the pagans greet uh, and take care of their own in Jesus' day. So how are we to be different? How are we to show that we belong to Jesus' kingdom? Love your enemies, Jesus says. That is, what, uh, that is part of what it looks like to be perfect like God the Father is. Now, this certainly is what I find the most challenging one of our passage today, although the other two are also very challenging as well. But Jesus still calls us to love our enemies. So, pray for them. If there's someone you're not getting along with at work or school, um, or even if there's someone that you are angry with or you hate, try praying for them. It's hard to start but you'll find that as you pray for them, it'll be hard to continue hating them. If people speak unkindly to you, uh, about you on social media, then respond with kindness and grace. Just as God has shown uh, us mercy, we should show others mercy too. Our enemies are loved by God. So when we love like this, we are learning to love just like God the Father. Jesus has again raised the bar for us this uh, this evening for the last time. So let's look into these words and use them as a mirror, listening to these words carefully and remembering them. We should see our sinfulness. We should see how we fall short of God's perfection. We should see how much we need to be cleaned. But remember, let's not wallow in guilt because of our sin. Let's see and praise God for his perfect character. 
And let's recognize our desperate need for Jesus' love and forgiveness. So look to Jesus. Look to Jesus for your forgiveness. Look to Jesus for your righteousness because he fulfills the law for you. And he enables you to begin working towards being perfect like God the Father. So be perfect like God the Father by loving your enemies. Now, the summary of all that we've seen this evening uh, can be found in verse 48. Let's look down at verse 48 together. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's a really high bar, isn't it? Perhaps, like me, when I was preparing this talk, you might feel that this is an impossible task. And I don't think you're entirely wrong. This side of the new creation, we're not going to attain this perfect character like God the Father. And yet, why does Jesus tell us these things if we can't do them? Why didn't Jesus just describe God's perfect character? Because if Jesus wanted to, he would have. And yet, that's not what we've seen in our passage this evening. We've seen God's perfect character through Jesus commanding us to speak the truth, show costly generosity, and show love to our enemies. So Jesus knows that we can, at the very least, strive towards being perfect now. He says to us, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. What does it look like to, be, uh, to have a righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees? answer, be perfect like God the Father. It's a really high bar indeed, but one that we can now achieve because of Jesus Christ. On our own, this bar is stories above our head, uh, one that we can never reach by ourselves, and yet one that we can now reach with Jesus Christ. He reaches down and pulls us up over that bar so that we can reach it. Jesus is the one we need to look to for our righteousness because by following the law, we could never achieve that righteousness on our own. But Jesus has won for us our salvation so that we can now live like this as citizens of Jesus' kingdom, having a righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees, striving towards attaining that perfect character that reflects God the Father. So, let's look to Jesus to be perfect. Let's look to him to be perfect by speaking the truth, showing costly generosity, and loving our enemies, because God the Father is perfect in integrity, generosity, and love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who came to earth to die for us. We praise you this evening for your perfect character um, and your perfect grace and mercy towards us. Help us to look to Jesus for our righteousness uh, and help us to uh, rely on him for our strength as we strive towards being perfect in character, just like you. In Jesus' name, amen. The first question uh, is around being sued. So Jesus says, give your cloak, uh, go the extra mile, 
Um, and the question is, should we not be just if we're sued wrongfully? Should we not attempt to bring what is right? Great question. Um, I don't really know how to answer it. I think the, the good thing to remember with these verses is they're not uh, given to judges or the judicial system. They're given to individual Christians as we relate to one another. Um, so in regard to that, I think um, we can entrust justice to the organizations and the, um, the governments who God has set in place for us. Um, but I don't think that's what Jesus is speaking into. I think he's just speaking into a relationship between, say, you and I. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I think Jesus wants us to show a distinctive and radical uh, character that reflects him and God. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, my answer would be, whether it's right or not, I don't know, um, would be to entrust that justice to the organizations that God yeah, has yeah, set yeah. and not to ourselves because that's not the intent of yeah. those verses uh, from uh, Leviticus 19. Yeah, it's a really helpful, isn't it? Because I think you're saying the principle is it's distinct from the world. Mm -hmm. So if we're just suing everyone like everyone else or responding and retaliating, we've got to ask ourselves what's distinctive. Yeah. But I think you're saying actually there, there may be cases for justice and that is we've got to kind of factor this in with the no, rest definitely. of Scripture, but not um, automatically. Exactly. I, I think that's why God has given us things like governments and judges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. For that very reason. So. Yeah. So um, that'd be worth kicking around with one another. But yeah, I, I would say I've seen some really generous examples of Christians not standing on their rights uh, in employment uh, and in other settings. But I've also known Christians to, to fight the corner as well. And that's, that's where it all gets very complicated. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so do kick that around. But I guess related to that, we've um, got this question here, uh, which feels a bit you know, um, contemporary at the moment. How does a Ukrainian Christian love her Russian enemies who have destroyed her home and killed her family? Is war a situation included in what Jesus said? Another great question. I feel like all of these are great questions yeah. and they're quite hard to answer. Yes. Um, I, I, think, uh, I think it still stands in terms of um, wanting to relate to um, people personally. You want, I think, um, it kind of links back to what we were seeing about being salt and light. Um, we want to be reflecting Jesus' character of the world to make the gospel attractive um, uh, to those uh, around us. So, um, uh, I don't know how to specifically answer anything that, I don't know, uh, specifically happens to people uh, in war. But I think there's definitely situations where we can still um, live this out. And it's, it's going to be costly, for sure. I mean, that's the whole point of um, showing that kind of love. Mm, yeah. And Jesus showed that love to us while we were his enemies. Mm. Um, and it cost him his life. Yeah. So, yes. No, really, really helpful. So, yeah, um, I think, again, one to discuss, one mm. to think through. Yes. Um, and I think this big point you're making of, actually, there's got to be something distinct about Christians, even if yeah. um, there's lots of complicated issues around. It's worth just saying the church thought about this for hundreds of years. Um, so um, do read Aquinas if you want to follow up right. <laughs> on that. Uh, just, you know, a bit of light reading before you head off to bed. A bit of time um, reading, lovely. Yeah, lovely. but it's not a... I think what I'm trying to say is it takes a lot of work in through. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, just this question. I'm not sure I understand it. Um, forgive me if I don't. Um, but re regarding that question of people taking the credit for work of others, do we equate what Jesus says here with um, giving honor where honor's due? 
Uh, I think partially, yes. Um, yes. I'm trying to read the verse. Um, yeah, and I still think it applies in terms of um, you want to give people honour. That's still right to do um, where it's correct to give. But um, yeah, I think that, I, I, I would assume that is. But um, I don't know Romans 13 well enough. Um, but it, it seems to be, Romans 13 still seems to be relating to authorities. Um, so yeah. the governments that, that God's established, and I, I wouldn't say that it's too far to jump to that as an application, although it's probably not the direct thing that Jesus is talking to. Yeah, yeah. It's more individuals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's wrong to, to kind of make that yeah, yeah. side step. Yeah. Thank you, Leon. I, I realize we're giving you such a hard time because, I mean, these are some of the most famous verses in the Bible and the church has thought about this for years and we're trying to do it in four minutes on a <laughs> Sunday evening. So thank you so much. But again, you know, I, I think we've all got the same Bible and it'd be great for us to discuss this with one another to think, actually, what does this look like in the workplace? What does this look like on social media? What does this look like uh, in these contexts? Um, I'm going to dive in, if that's okay, because there's a question here uh, about... Um, uh, I'm sorry, I've lost it. Should we not acknowledge and raise where someone repeatedly causes harm against us? Uh, I'm going to dive in just as the minister and just say um, we should raise where there's harm. Um, I don't think what Jesus is speaking about here um, means that we keep silent. And um, we as a church uh, have uh, a safeguarding policy and procedures to help uh, where uh, raise issues of harm in, in, um, with trusted people uh, where we come across them. So this doesn't kind of say actually where we've experienced harm by other people uh, or inappropriate behavior. We are to ignore that. Uh, please do speak to uh, Caroline, who's a safeguarding officer, uh, or speak to uh, me, um, and I'll probably direct you to Caroline. But um, please do speak uh, to someone uh, if that's you. So I don't think that's speaking about this particular uh, context. Um, just moving on, final question, nice easy one to finish off. Uh, why does this tell us we need to be perfect like God mm. when God knows we're full short? Great question. It I is a great question. grappled with the entire week and I don't <laughs> really know if I have the answer. Um, but I, the, the feeling I was left with when I, when I went through these verses is it, it just feels quite impossible to achieve that mm-hmm. perfection. Um, and I think Jesus is aware of that. Um, he knows that we're not going to be perfect this side of the new creation. Um, but they're there for us as a bar to reach. Um, it's, it's a target to go for. Although we're not going to ever fully achieve it now, it's something that we should still strive towards. Um, and so it would be wrong for Jesus to set us a lower bar that doesn't reflect God's character, because that's not reflecting God. Mm. That's just reflecting the low bar that doesn't really mm-hmm. do any justice to God. So... I think he's, he's wanting us to see how perfect God is and how far, how far away we are from that. Um, and that as Christians, we've got the Holy Spirit that enables us to at least move towards it. We're never yeah. going to reach it now, but we can at least strive towards it um, and change in that kind of reflection. So God. can I push you on this, Leon? Mm, um, you can come forward a bit. That's all right. <laughs> Not getting away with this yet. But just imagine we've heard this this evening, we're feeling really convicted, we're thinking, my goodness, I don't come anywhere near this, I'm not perfect, what should we be telling ourselves? Uh, that that is right, that we're not perfect, and it's, um, 
it's good to recognize that. The gospel tells us that, that we're sinful mm. and that we fall short of God's uh, glory. Um, but that's not where we should be left. Um, we're not left wallowing in our guilt. We should uh, look to Jesus. So um, he's the person who has saved us and rescued us and redeemed us. Um, all that sin that we feel uh, is sort of weighing us down in guilt is paid for. So we don't need to be stuck in that place wallowing in our guilt. Mm. Uh, we can, step by step, it's not going to be a quick change overnight, um, but we can, step by step, with the help of the Holy Spirit, um, make that effort to striving towards being perfect. Um, and there are a number of things that God has given us to help us with that as well. Mm. It's not just uh, the Holy Spirit. He's given us uh, a church family who will help us uh, and kind of keep us accountable. Um, he's given us the ability to pray to him and talk mm. to him. He's given us his word. There's so much that we have to mm. strive towards that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my answer is don't stay where you are in your guilt, yeah. but be kind of spurred on by what Jesus has done for you. Yeah. And I really like what you say about, actually, as we see God's character, I think you said this, mm. we want to be like God, yeah. and there's a desire to, to be yeah. like him. Isn't yeah. There? yeah. Great.